0: This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Wow. I'm just a pastor, so I love pastors and I love churches. I started, we, Lucy and I started church planning in 1986. Most of y'all weren't even here, but it was real. Noah had just gotten off the ark and uh, <laughs> it was awesome. Hey, I wanna, I wanna share a word. Pastor Michael, encourage me. Find John chapter six in your Bibles and turn, with, uh, turn there to John chapter six, verse five. And I just wanna share <clears throat> from our life with you today. And I pray that God will really give us a moment with him that will forever mark your life. I don't, I don't believe in just doing church. I, I believe in, in encountering God. And, and I want him. I want transformation. You know, the, uh, Lucy and I were commenting on the presence in here today. How beautiful. Uh, and uh, I don't know about you. I, I know y'all have that regularly. And we're, we, we have just set our hearts that we will never do church without the presence of God. We have a church that we serve in the center of Tokyo, the most unreached people group, metropolitan people group in the world, right in Tokyo. And for the first time, there is a spirit-filled church in the center, the cultural center of Tokyo, Japan, and they are radical worshipers. And when I came in your presence today, I was thinking about, and Lucy and I were commenting how beautiful and tangible Jesus is happy you're here at church today. And they, you know, that scripture that says uh, that, that God's enthroned in the praises of his people. I love that. And the Japanese told me, they said, uh, they said you know, in the Japanese translation of that, it says, that when you worship and praise God, he gets his big chair and sits there. And I felt God get his big chair this morning and just happy. Like I'm, I'm at home, I'm with my people, this is my clan. And just like, just moved, he just got his chair. And I don't want you to ever forget that. Every time you come here, just see God get his big chair and sit there with you and all that he is begin to flow and happen. One thing, open heaven, amen? amen. And so John chapter six, this, is, this has been my, my life for sure for the last 20 years, this portion of scripture, um, really for 30 years. But for the last 20 years, I've been preaching this and, and living this. And, and I get lost in it. Anybody ever see the, the old movie? I may, I think I saw it one time and forgive me if there's something in it, shouldn't be in it, but the old movie Groundhog Day where he just relived that this scripture is Groundhog Day for me. I get, I get completely lost in this scripture and I think I know, you know, but I don't know. And I'll find myself weeks later going, wow, he did it again. He did it again. And just reliving the scripture over and over. I think it was, uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus 2016. It may, I think it was the first time that Heidi Baker was, uh, was here in Orlando with, uh, uh Jesus 2016. I think it was, and I was doing an offering and I was sharing just a little bit of this from John chapter six and uh, she was sitting there on the front row, and I remember her looking, and she was just, look, she's so nice, you know, but she wasn't smiling. She was just staring at me. Have you ever had somebody take your scripture and start talking about it, and you're like, I don't know if you can be talking about my scripture, right? It was one of those moments with her. I didn't realize it, but I think, I was like, she doesn't like what I'm saying right now. Like, she was like, staring. Um, and, and so in the, in the, she's so nice, you know? And so in the green room afterwards, we walk up to her and she goes, so John chapter six (laughs) looks at me and she goes, that's how we do everything we do in Africa. And she said, God told us it was the key to the storehouses of heaven. And so she wanted to make sure we weren't just playing around. And I've endeavored for the last 20 years To walk in this, this, this miracle of the multiplying of the loaves and the fish, besides the resurrection, it is the only miracle that is in all four gospels. This miracle is the one miracle that God saw to put in all four gospels. So let's read it. And uh, John chapter six, verse five, you remember the disciples were tired. They got away to rest that's scriptural, taking a rest, right? They got a way to rest. And the, the other gospels that's in, in each one of the gospels, they say it was a great multitude, great multitude. The Bible says that at least two of the gospels, they call it a great multitude, followed Jesus and the disciples to this place. So they're trying to rest and the multitudes won't stop. I believe, I believe that when Orlando sees what's in ha- this place, the, the multitudes are going to come and uh, they're going to beat a path to your door. So get ready, get ready, get ready for the great multitudes to see Jesus And verse five says, and then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to them to test them for he himself knew what he would do. Aren't you glad the Lord knows what's going on? Remind yourself this year when you get into this. I don't know, but he knows. I'm with the guy who knows, Right. And he gave me Holy Spirit on the inside of me who never leaves me and will lead me even in my sleep. God is leading and guiding us, amen? amen? Wow, that's a promise that you have is that he will lead you into all truth in this coming year. And so he goes on and he says here, and Philip answered him and said, 200 denarii worth of of bread. That's about one year's wages. So this is how big the crowd is. He's going, he's like Jesus saying, let me give you a little context. Jesus has been preaching his favorite kingdom series all day long. And he's been healing the multitudes and they're so happy. And now it is late, late, late at night. It's like getting late. It's not dark, but I mean, it's getting like late, late. And Jesus decides, Jesus is so cool. That's why hanging out with Jesus will be the biggest life you've ever lived. Because Jesus, there's no grocery store. There's no, there's no grocery store. There's nothing around and Jesus decides to buy the whole great multitude dinner. And the disciples are saying, man, he pre- he's like gone on all day. And they came to him in, in, in the gospels here. And Jesus is saying, I, I, he, because he had compassion. See, what he does is compassion. He healed them because they were, they were, without compa- they were sick. And so he had compassion upon the sick He taught them because they were sheep as having no shepherd and he had compassion on them. now they're hungry and he has compassion on them. And God wants us to have compassion on a, on a pastorless uh, world that has people that need to know him. God wants us to have compassion upon the sick world. God wants us to have compassion on a dying world, but the disciples did quick math. How many of you were good in math, right? Disciples did, okay. I was terrible in math. But the disciples did quick math and said, we could work for a year and not feed this multitude. And Jesus said, what do you have? What do you have? And they said, nothing. A couple of like, like ridiculous. That's what we we have. We have five loaves and a couple of fish. So here's the the first thing I want you to get. Is the disciples answer. The disciple Jesus is having compassion. Jesus has vision. Don't worry. He knows how to do what he wants to do. Just let him do what he wants to do. And so the disciples said, hey, we counsel you. You need to just send the crowd away and let them go find something. You need to send them away. So here's... What I want you to see. Most people, and don't mean this critical at all, but many people, when they see a multitude, when they see something God's calling them to do, they send away their destiny. That crowd was the destiny of the disciples to feed and to minister to. And they said, Lord, Send them, they're like talking to each other. He wants to feed this multitude. And they're like, they they go to him and say like, send them away. It's like this. It's like God says to churches, I want you to touch the city. And they say, Lord, we're trying to pay the light bill. Lord, or the Lord says, I want you to feed orphans. And you say, Lord, I'm trying to feed my five children. And without realizing it, We send away the destiny that God's calling us into because it looks ridiculous to us. Let's read a little further. And he goes on and he says, and one of the disciples, verse eight, one of the disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's brother said to him, there is a lad here who has five loaves and two small fish. But what is that among so many? And then Jesus said, make the people sit down. In other places, it said he made them sit down in order. Can I tell you something? Anything that is in disorder from God's order will not multiply. If you're going to walk and see the blessing of God, you have to walk in order. Let him set your life in order. Anything out of order, let him just set you where it needs to be. How many of you have ever pulled up to like a gas station, which i just do not like to do. I, I just want a car that runs forever. And, uh, and so you pull in, you do all of that stuff, you pull off the freeway, and it's out of order. That's frustrating, right? So out of order things don't multiply. And so he tells them here, set them down, make the people sit down. And there was so much grass in the place, the men sat down. In number, about five thousand. Now that's five thousand men, but we know it's a great multitude. Where there's men, there's women, children, everything. Theologians tell us about fifteen to twenty thousand people. They're about to be fed with a couple, with five, with uh, with five loaves and two fish. Five loaves and two fish is all that they have, and there's fifteen to twenty thousand people. That they are sit, that's sitting in front of them. And uh, this, is, this, is, this is where I get lost in these stories because it seems that he ne- it never matters what I have. It simply matters what he wants. And, it, you know, I, I don't believe in formulas. I love what Bill Johnson says. God is not a formula, he's a fodder. He's not a formula, he's a father, but to contradict myself, if I could find a formula besides the word of God, this is about the closest formula I can find and that is just give him what he wants. Just give Jesus what he wants. You will never know how he's gonna do it, just give him what he wants. Don't don't send away your destiny because he's calling you to see his glory. He's calling you to reveal himself to you and he wants you to walk side by side with him so you can behold the glory of the one who could do anything. It's amazing. So we see 15, you know, 20,000 people and there's a little boy and I know theologians for years have tried to explain this miracle away. They had really big lows back in that day. You know, uh, and, and like, yeah, the kid had to have five wagons with him, you know, with the big loaves of bread and it still may not have been enough. And the scripture tells us there were 12 baskets left over. There were 12 baskets left over. And this wasn't little cups. These were like baskets you can stand in that, that, that at the end, there was far more than what they started with in the beginning. And that's the way it is in the kingdom. As you say yes to him, as you obey him, as your life gets in order, and as you do it, your life will become far more than you could have ever done or accomplished on your own. And the whole purpose of it is that you get to walk with the King of glory and see his glory and majesty over and over again. I don't know about you, but my heart needs to be regularly radiated with the majesty of Jesus. Come on, I want to walk with him, and you've got to be willing to go into those places. And here he was. It's a setup. Jesus knew what he's going to do and he says, give them to me, give me those. So they, they brought them to him. Did we finish reading? Let us finish it so I don't Some time I leave it. Look at verse uh, 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 verse 11 and Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. Now notice this, Jesus took the loaves, he gave thanks and he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples of those sitting down and likewise the fish as much as they wanted. And so when they were all filled and how many of you know filled meant their pockets were filled, their purse was filled, their backpack was filled. They were getting two or three meals out of this deal because they knew they had to get home, right? How many of you would have done that? Like, oh yeah, I'll take Give me a couple of loaves over here, right? You would have done that and, and, and gotten full and had enough. You good mamas, how many of you good mamas would have made sure your kids had food to get home? In verse 12, so when they, when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain and let nothing be lost. He commanded the overflow to come. And therefore they gathered together Uh, them and filled uh, 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, uh, which were there uh, leftovers by those who had eaten. You know, um, like I said, they say that these were big, but actually these were, these were little biscuits and a couple of sardines. It was a 2000 year old happy meal. A mama, like, you know, a happy meal, literally a happy meal. If it was in our today vernacular, this was, a, this was nothing more than a happy meal that they're about to worship Jesus with. And it's in those moments where people say, S- this is ridiculous. Send the multitude away. And let me tell you, Jesus in his church. Jesus died. And rose again, shed his blood, that you would never send away the cry of the world. His body is sufficient. That meal would have fed everybody in that multitude, everybody in Judea, everybody in Jerusalem, everybody. He could As much as he wanted to feed, it would have fed in that moment. And so here they are, and this is what we do. God speaks to us and he calls us to do something. There are people in this room. Please listen, I want to encourage you. You have talent. You have callings. You have vocal ability. Some of your writers, some of your marvelous teachers, some of your great mothers, great fathers, some of you have incredible business acumen. Some of you have abilities, athletic abilities, other things like that. And God wants you to walk with him. And he will bring you into circumstances and situations. And he will say, I want you to walk with me into this multitude. I want you to walk with me. I'm having compassion on them. I want to use you. And what we do, what I did for years, is I looked at my life and I said, God, my life is just like a happy meal. My life compared to the need seems so small And this is what people do. Is they look at the multitude. They look at the Happy Meal. They drop it. And they walk off. How many of you love the the great evangelist, Reinhard Bonnke? I love his story. I love all Reinhard Bonnke's. He's he's in heaven now. He's a friend of Michael, Jessica. And you know, for 10 years, from a little boy, he had a vision of a blood-washed Africa. He saw... Africa washed with the blood of Jesus. And he lived for that. But he's like a little boy. He gets there. And for 10 years, many people don't realize his story. For 10 years, he struggled. Even some of the denomination he is with said, you are a failure like all the other people have been a failure. And and he thought he wanted so hard, his, his heart yearned to reach Africa. And you know, what happened was he would always bring in the big evangelist. He would bring in the person with the healing anointing. He would bring in the person that can preach. And he brought a guy in. They advertised one time and said, God's gonna raise the dead, you know, open blind eyes, heal the sick, all of these things. And when he went to pick the big evangelist up, the big healing evangelist up for the meeting, the man was standing there with his bags packed. And leaving and God, he he said, what are you doing? We've, I've advertised, we have a meeting. You're the big, I'm I'm a missionary. And the man said, God told me to go home and you're supposed to do the meeting. And he was forced that day to take what he thought was a happy meal missionary anointing that he had struggled with for 10 years. And I heard him say, it was like walking into the multitude to feed the multitude. He said, between me and the multitude was a death zone called unbelief. And he said, God finally got me to a place. And he said, that day I walked on stage and I tore my little portion over that crowd And what the world saw was that was not a little missionary anointing. That was a world-shaking, nation-shaking anointing of the living God. It saw over 70 million people come to Christ. Because a person dared to walk into the multitudes and tear their life. I'm not talking... I'll give you some illustrations. I'm not purely talking about money. I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about God wants you to tear your life. God wants you to give your life. In, in our church, we have t-shirts. If you came there, it says, tear the loaf. And that's what this is. It means you're the loaf. You're the little, you're the little fish. You're the, you don't have to be fancy. You don't have to be spectacular. You just have to walk with the one who is. And walk, walk into the midst of it and see his glory. Does that set anybody free in here? Right? Does that set anybody free in here? And so I just, I just love this because, because I remember I was pastoring a tiny, tiny church. And when I first started pastoring, we, we, we were like missionaries in America. We pastored in a town where there were more cows than people. And I was like, God, you shouldn't have really had much confidence in us. You made us like that. This wasn't even a town. I mean, people for excitement, you waited for the mail <laughs> or you could go to the dump. This was exciting. I mean, it was 45 miles, to, but we were just hungry for God. And I had a world vision and you couldn't even find the world from where I was. And I'm just like, oh, it's so small. And we were just giving our life and pouring our life into it. And uh, I had a vision about printing presses one time. And I saw saw printed material coming off the printing press and going off into infinity. And every time I heard the printing press click, I knew it was a soul being saved. And so we began to get printing presses. And then the wall came down in Russia. And in 1993, we sent printing presses over to the Ukraine and we're trying to get them into Russia. And I got there and it was like, you could preach the gospel on the news. People were just flooding everywhere. They, they knew nothing about Jesus. They've been in 75 years of communism and we're over there and we're, we're, we're ministering to them. But the reason I got there Was When I took the printing presses to Sacramento, California, I live in Houston, drove them to Sacramento only to find out they were going to ship them back to Houston, but God had a purpose in it. And I met this guy. He was so crazy. His name was Slavic and he was from Ukraine. And he saw me and he thought I had money. I have found that you don't have to have money to serve God. I'll let that sink in. I have found all you have to have is a yes. He knows what he's going to do. And uh, so we're there and he's like, please come, please come. Oh, we want to plant three churches. Please come, please come. And we had given everything we had. We had nothing. We had nothing left in our pockets. And I felt justified telling him no, because I had nothing left. That feels <laughs> like logical, right? And so he's like the next all night long, I'm putting a pillow over my head because I'm going to hear Slavic say, please Come. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm tired. I want to go home. And um, we're driving to the airport. This is before cell phones. We're driving to the airport, and he's like, please come. And I am about to say to the man, no. The literally the word no is about to come out of my mouth, and the fear of God hit me. And I dropped my head, and I said, God, I'm so tired. This man thinks I have money. You know, I don't have any money. I want to tell him no, but God, I know I'm going to stand before you one day. And I do not want to stand before you having sent away the cry of the world. So I'm going to tell him yes. I'm going to tell him yes, Lord. I told him yes. He got so happy about wreck the car. And, and he, thought, he thought I had. I said, I'll come. We'll plant the churches. We'll give you seed to start. We'll buy the sound systems. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll bless it. And go, and I didn't think anything about it. Thirty minutes later, I walk into a home and call my office in the middle of nowhere. Remember, there's nothing there, like no nothing. Like the only few people there are, <laughs> they came to church because we were friends with them, and nobody else would be friends with them. It was it was a difficult situation. One time after a a, a like a home group meeting everybody's like waving at us, pastors driving by. we have been in another plane, They're waving, waving. And there wasn't one complete car in the whole church. They were, the cars were sideways, missing windows, plastic over it. Like there was nothing there, right? But we were happy. We were happy serving Jesus, the best of our ability. And I called my office in that place. I called my office and they said, Pastor, you're never gonna believe this. A man just walked in off the street we've never seen before and gave us a check for $35,000 for world <laughs> missions. And, uh, and the, the beauty of that, the beauty of that is that, guys, we planted those three churches. I saw the fire of God deliver, fall on people. Like Acts chapter 10, Right. But you know what happened? Over 75 churches were planted out of that. You know what it was? It wasn't me. I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to do it. I almost sent away my destiny. I almost looked at, like to despise my portion. Some of you, you, it's incredible. And you will not know what your portion is until you break it on the world. You break it on the body of Christ. You break it on the hungry. You break it on the lost. You break it. And the beauty of Jesus will be seen in those times. When we started our church in Houston, the Lord said, the nations are going to come and I want you to take care of them. And, And we were meeting in a hotel and we were a lot less people than this. I mean, we started with 75, promptly glued to 35. And, uh, and, uh, and you had to be very spiritual to go to our church because they changed the hotel room on you every Sunday. So you didn't know where the room was in the hotel. And so you had to be really, had, we had a fasting and praying church. Just to find where church was going to be the next week. Because we wouldn't know it. You say, why didn't you tell people? Well, we wouldn't know ahead of time. They would, we'd just get there and say, oh, you're over here in room B today. And so we did it. And I said, so I feel justified telling God. I said, God, we have a, we're baby church. We're in diapers, God. You know, I'm like the disciples debating with him again. I'm, I'm with it. And, and, and I said, God, you know that Houston can't even find us. How can the nations find us? How many have ever debated with God? Because you're an authority, right? Right? I, I tell him very often what an authority I am. <laughs> and I eat my words. And so, so I hope this is helping you today. Because you are unlimited. This church is unlimited. There's nothing that can limit you When you walk with the one thing, open heaven, Jesus is the open heaven. And the only reason that miracle happened is because there was an open heaven right there. And uh, do you know, I, for years, you know, the disciples got in trouble after this in a storm. And the Bible says they did not receive this miracle. Their hearts were hardened. Here they, they just wanted to get through a problem. They weren't really walking with him and learning about the kingdom. I'm not trying to judge them. It's just what the scripture says. Their hearts were hardened. And I, for years, I asked God, where was that in the scripture? Where is that? And this is what the Lord said. One day, I'm like, literally, I've been asking him for years. And I'm walking to my chair and he picks up conversations. And he said, I was the only one who worshiped in that story. I was the only one who gave thanks over a few fish and a roll. And here's the thing. Begin to worship Him with whatever you have and say, God, use it and break it and worship Him. What we're talking about today at its heart, because I've got to finish, what I'm talking about today at its heart is not about multiplying money. It's not about multiplying our success. It is about worship. In its purest form, this is worship because you're going to give him what he wants. And it's a heart like David. David was a worshiper, but his worship, the scripture says, in Acts chapter 13, I believe verse 22, it says about David and his worship, it says this, it says that that he was a man after God's own heart who did the will of God. See, there's songs we sing that are worship, but there's a life we live that is worship with every breath. And I have to tell you in 2022, as much as you can, body of Christ, make everything you do worship Him. Be a worshiper, be a worshiper, worship Him and watch His glory. Walk into situations and, and God said, I'm gonna send the nations and you know, they that very night, when I was an expert and told him, Houston couldn't find us. That very night, the first nation—it's now our church in Macedonia, in, in, uh, Sofia, Bulgaria. Where 65 percent of the Protestant churches are now in our conferences in Macedonia, Bulgaria, all of those things over there. They came walking through the door that night, and listen, this is so important because just to finish it. We would just lay hands on them. We were just worshiping God. Houston wasn't there, but the nations were. And we were worshiping, laying hands on them, blessing them. We'd give them money and they'd go out weak like the waves of the sea, guys. It was supernatural. They came walking through the doors uh, week after week after week after week. Finally, we gave all our money away. And, uh, and, uh, and this, this Jewish, Russian pastor comes walking through the door and I had an evil thought. I said, we've given, I felt justified again. Send the multitude away. I don't have, I don't even have a happy meal left. And uh, so I said, I'm going to go in my office and I won't look him in the eyes. I'm telling my sins today. And I I sat there for like 30 seconds. I felt so guilty. I went down. He brought us books, showed me his pictures. We laid hands on him, scratched together some money, blessed him with money, sent him out the door. And the next morning, I'm driving home from Starbucks. Glory. And I said, Lord, forgive me. I said, if you'll keep sending them. We'll keep blessing them. And I don't know about you, he doesn't always answer me right away. 10 minutes later, I come in the house and my wife, the phone had rang. And she was on the phone and she says, honey, there's uh, leaders from Guatemala here today. They want to meet with you. And she laughed at me like, ha, ha, ha. (laughs) Like, you know, I forgave her. But anyway... (laughs) She laughed at me. And she said, do you want to talk to him? And I said, yes. And I went over and I took the phone. And I'll never forget this. I took the phone. And the person started talking. But when they started talking, the Lord started talking. And he said, Randy, the Lord sent me here to tell you guys this today. He said, Randy, he said, the miracle is in the tearing never stopped tearing. The miracles, so I always thought that when Jesus prayed and blessed, it was like poof, mountains of bread, mountains of fish, filled this room, every was a free for all, it was glorious. That's not what happened. Jesus blessed the portion and then he tore it even smaller and he handed it to his lovers. He handed it to his disciples. One twelfth of a happy meal. He hands it to the disciples and says, now guys, go put it in their mouths. And they had to, as Reinhard Bonnke say, cross that death zone of unbelief because you will stand there many times and realize, thank God, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. And whether I look foolish or not, I'm going to worship him and I'm going to go stick this in somebody's mouth or in their heart or in their life. And I'm going to walk in the multitude and I'm going to tear my life because Jesus loves them. And this is what he wants. This is what he wants. And uh, we needed a a building. We were meeting in that gym that we're in now. We didn't own the property. We were just having a good time. We had moved out of the hotel we were, we were meeting there and uh, I want to say this because I believe it will encourage you this year with build his home that nothing is impossible with you guys. You give him his heart and he's going to build his house and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And you are going to be blessed in the doing of walking with him. And it doesn't feel like if you feel like, Lord, I don't have that much. It doesn't matter. Just give him what he wants. Just do whatever he says Do to you. Do it. And I remember we were, we were, uh, we were beginning to preach this message and I didn't realize true confession again. I did not realize God was going to make me live the message. I thought I was just going to preach the message, right? But I couldn't stop preaching this message this was 2004 going into 2005 and, uh, the nations are coming, the nations are coming, going all over the world. And, and here we are. And we, for some reason, we didn't have a lot of money again one night. And there were two international missionaries sitting there like they always are. And the Lord said, give them the offering. So we gave them the offering that night. And I only had one check, so I wrote it for $1,000, and and I gave it to him. Now, again, I want to caution you. This is not a transaction of money. This is a transaction of the kingdom of God that is called worship. Because I obey him, because I love him, and I will follow him anywhere, and I will do anything he wants to do. To love the multitude and pray God opens your eyes to see the multitudes that are around you at work, school, wherever you are. And so here here we go and I give it to him. The next morning I have a lunch meeting with a man and he slides a check across the table for $100,000. And I'm like, glory. Like (laughs) that was like at that time the biggest offering we had ever had and, and we were so thankful And I'm thinking, okay, I can save this and we won't have to use, no, we just tore it. We put it in mouths all over the world. We were just having a blast. We were just giving it away. We went through another whole loaf and we're doing it, just going. And we're at the end of the year and I've got to have our team back in Hong Kong. And our team is going to go back and preach the message. It went in a newspaper. The true message of Jesus went in a Chinese newspaper. And the Chinese heard it wasn't about Santa. It was about Jesus Christ. So, so I'm going to finish this up. Michael said I could take a few minutes and finish it. And here we go. Uh, and, and we have just given it all away. We've been just having fun. We're like, kids, yay, we're serving Jesus And all of a sudden, the people were renting the building from call us and say, y'all got to get out. We're going to sell it to somebody else. And I'm like, you know, immediately the devil's there. And he's like, you just gave it all away. And I'm like, I just gave it all away. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. We've got to get plane tickets to get even back to Hong Kong to keep our word. And I go there And I didn't talk to anybody. My wife knew. I just walked in my hotel room and I prayed. I couldn't even touch it with my mind. The devil's telling me, they're going to write you up in the newspaper. Gave it all away. That's what it's going to look like. And I'm like, we're going to be meeting under a tree on the side of the highway because we gave it all away. And the devil's saying, let this be a lesson to you. Don't ever do that again. Don't ever do that again. And so we, we're just sitting there and we're just worshiping and, and doing it. And it's Christmas morning. Christmas morning. And I'm in Hong Kong. But I'm not even with my own church. And I'm getting beat up. I am, I just beat, again, I've been transparent just home today. And I'm like, I'm gonna go home. I will never leave my church again. I am a good pastor. We'll get that tree. We'll get started again and we'll go home and... We will start. And it would be one thing if it was an anointed service. It was Christmas morning. There's no anointing. I've never seen these people before. There's five Chinese grandmothers line dancing with Santa hats on to Jingle Bells. That's my praise and worship for the morning. This is why we gave everything. Five Chinese grandmothers line dancing to Jingle Bells. And I'm like, and one of our ladies walks up to the keyboard and she hits one key and the glory of God comes in the room. I mean, literally the glory of God came in the room and I began to pray. I said, God, what more can we give them? We gave them everything. I wanted to give them more. When you love somebody, you have to give to them. You have to bless them. You have to tear your life. And I said, God, what more can we give them? We gave them everything, even our future. And ladies and gentlemen, I I don't, know how to explain it to you but it is that one thing open heaven it literally was as if a heaven opened literally I, I can distinguish it now but it literally something happened a window of heaven opened. and and with i we never take offerings when we go to the nations we're there to bless them we don't we, we go to, to give to them we never take an offering and people started walking up to somebody walked up to me, handed me $10,000 cash getting off a bus. I'm sitting at a table, having a meal with somebody and they slide an envelope for $35,000. And I'm thinking, yay, I'm not a bad pastor. We'll rent someplace. God, you took care of us. This is glorious. I get home the next day. We get a phone call. The people say, everything has changed everything has changed. God spoke to us. You're supposed to buy the place. Now we had nothing in our pockets 24 hours before this. Now we have $50,000 supernaturally sitting there in it. And they're saying, do you want to buy the building? And I said, yes, (laughs) I got $50,000. They said, do you want to buy the building? I said, yes, we'll buy the building. How much do you want? They said 5.5 million. And we want 500,000 down. I said, okay, we'll buy the building, but we're going to talk about the price. In two weeks, he dropped the price over a million dollars. And the Lord said, do this for me. Well, bottom line is we closed on the property we've been in for 20 years in 30 days. And God said, there's a supernatural flow that is in of finances that is in the property. And he has every week every bill for over 20 years. Supernatural flow. <clears throat> Not because we're smart. Not because we got it all figured out. Because of a happy meal. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box, 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.